Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Dave Haywood. Here we go, here we go. So, so... Dave, this is one of the ways I know you listened, you've listened to every single episode, so this is not going to be anything new to you. Um, Top to bottom. Top to bottom. And you have your neck tattoo of Dadville, which looks great, but looks a little little infected, but it'll heal. Um, (laughs) So we start all of these, what we call a brag sheet, which is just like all the crazy, amazing things you've accomplished. Um, You know what we should do? Sorry, I just had this idea. And we oh, won't like start that. with you, Dave, unless, unless you want. We should have the guests read their own brag sheet. Oh, How great my that gosh. <laughs> that is genius. In first person. And for, right, right. Oh, it has Just to be in first person. I thought no. you were going to say, we, let's go around and say one thing we love about the other person <laughs> to the left of us. Let's give two feeling words. We do that um, once we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, 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 we just encourage each other. That, John, that would be amazing. It, I think also it would be they have to start by saying, this is what I've done. And then they start, you know, here's what I've achieved. Um, We won't make you do that, Dave, but we are going to make whoever's next do that. Um, Okay. Multi-instrumentalist producer Dave Haywood is a member of seven-time Grammy – geez, seven times? Is that right? Seven-time Grammy-winning trio Lady A, earning 11 number one hits – 18 million album units and 34 million tracks sold, good gracious, with over 4 billion with a B digital streams. The trio has amassed ACM and CMA vocal group of the year trophies three times back to back BBMAs, which I don't even know what that is. Uh, People's Choice Awards, Teen Choice Awards, and a Tony Award. Not, I didn't know you. What was a Tony Award? Tony uh, Award. Uh, guys, for a SpongeBob. <laughs> song in the spongebob musical yeah true story amazing true we story go. we uh we wrote a song for the spongebob oh I, musical, you know what i so. this is random but i was hanging with one of y'all at that moment because i remember somebody got a text and was like yeah what are we gonna do about the spongebob thing and i started laughing and nobody laughed and i was like oh that was awkward um as a co-writer on countless tracks from the trio uh like nine time platinum hit need you now jeez louise the highest RIAA certified song by a country group. Small little accomplishment there. He's written for artists like Miranda Lambert and Luke Bryan. Haywood is also an advocate for protecting the rights of other creators. I love that you do this, by the way. The trio recently announced details for their newly formed Lady Aid, clever, scholarship fund supporting students attending historically black colleges and universities and were honored with an invitation to become the country's members of the country's longest standing musical institution in January, the Grand Ole Opry. I was so excited for you guys. Thank for you. That. Was that Thank awesome? You. It was incredible. I mean, it was really like, you know, it's, first of all, it's hard to be surprised. I think these days mm-hmm. at this age, yeah, like, you know, I can't remember the last time I walked in on a surprise party. I mean, it's just, it's hard to really pull something off and, 
Yeah, we were there um, because we were filming, uh, we were doing a Randy Travis song for this Opry special that was going to be on TV. And they asked us to sing the circle uh, Be Unbroken as well, which I was like, wow, that's a pretty signature song for the Grand Old Opry. Mm. Um, and and we had no idea. We genuinely had no idea. And so Darius Rucker shows up off the side of the stage. And re- remember, this is a pandemic. No one's even allowed at rehearsal. You have to be COVID tested to be in the building. So I was so confused because I know Darius. We've toured with Darius Rucker for two major tours and known him for a decade. And he does not get out of bed for much except golf <laughs> and a concert. <laughs> and I was like, why would Darius come to our rehearsal in Nashville uh, while we're pre-taping something and nobody's even in the audience. And so he came out and he started to read this introduction. And I just was like... And still you don't know. Still we don't know. I'm still confused. It's just, you know, it's one of those things when they happen kind of fast. I still had no idea. I'm like, what is he doing? Why would he Why would he leave Charleston? That's what I kept saying to myself because I know him. <laughs> I know he buses back and forth from Charleston, South Carolina all the time. I'm like, why would he leave Charleston? The weather's better for golf. Why is he coming to Nashville? And... uh and sure enough, he was right there and started to read this bio and kind of intro thing and said, and that's why I'd like to invite them to be members of the Grand Ole Opry. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's th- those are those honors like mm. those are those ones you call mom first on. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like th- those are the ones, you know, there's different like number things we know in the industry about like units moved and album debuts and radio <laughs> single number ones. Some of those things don't translate, I think, into the public, right? Mm. I mean, there's we kind of know the the industry term talk of, like, what happens. But but a member of the Grand Old Opry is the one that, like, my yeah. grandmother was like, oh, oh, okay, well, this is it. <laughs> this is it. You've done Dave's it. Dave's in the band yeah. down there in Nashville just doing things <laughs> with his friends. And then that's the moment she's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was it was a huge surprise and, 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 a, and a massive honor, a massive honor. And I, you know, I love that place. I love that place. It, it's mm-hmm. it's You said something really profound. Somebody, I can't remember who, maybe you said this to me, Dave, but somebody said this in the last couple of years, and I thought it was so well said. They said, you know, as you get older, there's rarely good surprises anymore. You know, like you, yeah. you get the call that's scary or somebody's hurt or, mm. you know, a parent is sick or and, and so when you do have good surprises into your, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, it's so rare. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think, you know, it, it's a it's a feeling you almost forget yeah. to your point. You know, well, so yeah. when, when did that happen? That was um, just it's just, just a few yeah, months ago, just a month and a half. Yeah, a month ago, probably about wow. a month ago. Um, and we've we've been doing so since the pandemic, you know, the Opry has been one of the few things that has been able to sort of operate in a pretty smart, right. smart way with the number of people they're allowed to sort of have in. And they can broadcast the Opry even when they can't have people in. So yeah. we've been doing more events, performing over there more. It's been a it's been a great home for us to kind of visit more during the pandemic. Um, and we did a couple events, I mean, probably four or five times last year, a Christmas thing there. Um, and then we were heading to play this Opry anniversary, which was an NBC taping that aired on Valentine's night. And we were just pre-taping it, you know, the world of pre-tape, like, which feels mm-hmm. so strange <laughs> and no audience and you're pre-taping. It's every and reason there. you got into music. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yes. I know. I know. That's, that's such the bummer of the COVID world. I mean, we are just used to no applause. I mean, we do virtually and it's probably a good old piece of humble pie right but i mean we're so used to virtual shows so humbling that like you know you finish playing need you now or or downtown these songs are a fun one like you look good right you finish playing and it's just like (laughs) well that was fun for us hope you guys 
enjoyed it at your home. So it's. A I feel like you normal. never see my face get more awkward more quickly than like ja, 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 and you kind of tried to hold a smile, and then you're sort of slowly just sort of turns into like this weird like. Mm, I know. I it's know. so awkward. It's so strange. Um. So so you know I was gonna say from this from this brag sheet. I mean that's not bad for a kid from Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel hearing those things? Like, where does your heart and head go? That's a great question. I mean, you know, it, it all feels like gravy. You know, I think when I moved to Nashville, so Charles and I, um, our journey, a lot of people know this, some don't, but Charles and I grew up together in Augusta and our journey has been very similar. We moved to Nashville pretty much the same time. He encouraged me to move to Nashville um, to write songs. And we just kind of said, if we can just be in the music business, we love music. I love music. I'm obsessed with music, um, creating music, writing music, producing music, um, performing music. I said, if we can just do anything, write songs just enough to make like 35 grand so we, you know, uh, so we don't have to work at Starbucks. If we can just make enough to have a living and do music, then that'll be, that's it. That's all we wanted. And so, you know, from early on, I don't know. I, I, we, once we kind of started the band and, and got a record deal, I was like, man, anything after this just feels awesome. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Um, and so yeah. any of those things, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, being a Christian too, this is really I, what I feel like God has led me mm. down a path for a reason. Um, mm. There's still reasons I'm learning about in that too. And, um, you know, I just, I feel, I don't know, not to Sunday school it, but I just really feel like uh, it, just to give him the credit of like, wow, I didn't, I didn't see that coming from Augusta. I, I didn't mm. see that one. That one didn't, yeah. I didn't show up in the cards for me when I was playing worship band in sixth grade, <laughs> Which, you know, by the way, that, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, right? that so, picture that you sent. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was uh, unbelievable. I sent Dave John a picture. We played, uh, I started playing at church, worship bands, middle school bands, um, you know, praise and worship retreats, all the stuff, right? All through Georgia, North Carolina, uh, pretty huge in the, uh, you know, <laughs> in the Georgia, in the Augusta, coastal, in the coastal, coastal worship Carolina scene, worship in the preteen, scene, preteen worship scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we would travel around in a 15 passenger van and play these festivals, me and my buddy, Adam Boatman and um, all kinds of friends from our church. We had a little band, praise and worship band. But I, I found some of the old flyers. John, I it's can't like, stop laughing. And, you know, and we all, back in the day, we all made them in Microsoft clip art, <laughs> word art, you know, about like face-to-face -face ministries was the name of our praise band. And, oh. you know, we were playing at this festival in Gatlinburg and just all the, uh, just the, the pictures. And don't the you, just graphics. a small, just a small falls. Don't you feel, <laughs> I can't say this out loud. <laughs> Don't you feel like Gatlinburg, maybe more than any other place in the world, if there was like a a reel of the songs that have been played in that city, like bad songs, they would just, it'd be a non-ending loop of just like some band that's 19, the drummer's 14, and it's some like worship, pseudo worship song i mean yeah. i just feel like gatlinburg is the hub of I know. that well the mountains of north carolina and tennessee is where all of our summer camps were and yes, so we would travel exactly up right. you know uh, this place called awanata and lake junaleska north carolina yep. oh, yeah. uh, over to gatlinburg i mean we would just my, my dad was in the the praise band as well my sister was in the praise band <laughs> 
Um, oh, wow. and it the was, picture it was... of that one guy that's what keeps me laughing it's just there's always the guy in the band you're like what did he do and why does he scare me a little bit you know like he looks like he may have time traveled somehow like are you talking about me is that what this is about okay. <laughs> it was you it was you you know one of the things the that guy i think that is just had a minivan and that's why he's in the <laughs> Dude, band. listen no john john you know that's true he's the guy that had the gear there's always the yeah. guy that had the gear and that's what gets him in yep. it's like i got just made a keyboard and you're like you're in the band he's got the key to the storage unit (laughs) johnny dave between father's day Mm -hmm. national yo-yo day national yo mama day mondays fridays coffee time sleeping time and preparing for my show at the rhyme in july 24th the month of june has a lot going on man that is a ton going on thanks i'm actually really excited about getting busy again but with the busyness, thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to your yo yoing. You know? what, what about yo yo momming? And yo yo momming. Okay, yeah. great. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. But, John, yeah. do you know why it's so important to compare? Yeah, I do. Because you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius Day. That's 50% or more. I'm honestly amazed you knew that. I didn't. I thought I was just gonna have to answer it. But let me add this: that's a saving of thirteen hundred dollars or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance, not the insurance companies. companies. No. no, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. So if everyone can take a break from their yo-yos, their mm-hmm. yo-yo momming, mm-hmm. it's so easy to get started. Listen. Just head to policygenius.com and in minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork Don't say for, for free. you Don't say for, for free. free. I knew you were going to say that. Gosh, they give and give and give. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and they don't charge any add-on extra fees, John. I don't like add-on extra fees. You never have. And I like that they don't do them. Yeah. So if you're ready for the easiest process, Ooh. you can fully enjoy your summer. Yes. Head to policygenius.com and get started right now. Guys, literally right now, okay? Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's, it's nice, nice to, to get, get it right. But like, Dave, one of the things that I think is so cool about your story and I think is so, so fun to think about and you talk about God's sort of kindness in the way that he's he's unfolded, you know, you're 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 unfolded. Why did I say that? That's fascinating. Unfurled. Unfurled. Unfurled your story is is that, you know, you had a job in Atlanta. I mean, you had gotten out of school. You're in accounting, right? Accounting, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so you're you're in the workforce. You're doing right. the thing. You're like Which that that blows my mind. <laughs> I, I have to say. Right? Right? At, like I remember meeting with I switched accountants a couple of years ago and I I brought in I brought like a stack of stuff to my right. new accountant and we're right. sitting there in like a like a conference room and you know, they're talking about Stuff that I I can't even regurgitate right, right now because it doesn't even <laughs> register with my my brain. Right. But I remember at one point saying this completely seriously, hundred <laughs> percent. I was like, I looked at her and I was like, Are you, are you really gonna go through this? Are you gonna read this stuff? And she's like, uh, Yeah. Like she had trouble answering my question without right. insulting my intelligence. Right, I'm like, right. it just blows my mind that someone can be. Super talented at music and also 
an accountant. It just blows my <laughs> yeah, mind. You, you're a unicorn. I just had uh, to say that. Well, I mean, you know, and again, I love this. This is uh, this is actually only my second podcast ever. I love doing this kind of long form thing because I just feel like in my world, it's like radio interview, sixty seconds, and you don't you don't have right. a chance to kind of talk about these portions of the story. But yeah, I mean, you never after, get to accounting. You don't get to accounting. <laughs> Account- yeah, that's, not the, is, that's not the sexy part. Of I know, I know, I know, I know. Check out this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I graduated. I grew up in Augusta, and then went to UGA. So graduated in Athens from Georgia, and. Mm-hmm. Even to take it even a step nerdier, I mean, I was on the information technology side of accounting. So I was an IT major, computer science major at Georgia. Which so, can I, again, I have to sit small aside. That is a valuable thing in a new band. Like when you guys <laughs> yeah. formed, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you were able to do like the MySpace page. Oh, yeah. Like that is very valuable. Well, I totally. could even, I mean, this is so deeply nerdy, y'all, but I could have, I could even go into the MySpace skins. I don't know if you remember the skins. Oh, yeah. you, had to, you had to go into the coding of MySpace. And in order to make it look like the way you want it to look. But I learned all how to develop websites and code at Georgia. And so I got a job in Atlanta at this big accounting firm. I mean, they I traveled the world on these big accounting clients and we would audit these companies to make sure they were prepared for a big. How, how long audit. were you there? I was there about two years. And so, oh, wow, I, I didn't know you were there that long. Graduated from Georgia in 04 and then went and worked in Buckhead. Um, at the downtown financial center in Buckhead, if people like know living Atlanta. in an apartment, Atlanta. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you're, when you drive on 400, you go under this really huge building, um, and that was the financial center. In oh Buckhead. wow! And so I lived right there by Phipps Mall, uh, Phipps Plaza, and, and Lenox Mall, and suit and tie, no beard, no facial hair, nice clean cut, you know, full laptop, Excel spreadsheets all day long, like you're saying, John. <laughs> and it was wow! It was a different world. It was so, a different world. So how did you go from the, you know, you're at the summit again of the (laughs) preteen worship scene in Gatlinburg. How do you go from there? Like, you know, you were playing music in sixth grade. How'd you go from there? Like, were you thinking like, well, this is just for fun, but, you know, we're going to, I'm going to need to shave my sixth grade beard and (laughs) go to Buckhead and open an Excel spreadsheet. You know, it's one of those things that's like, that's a great question. I, I somehow just felt like you're supposed to, you just had to, you're supposed to, you got to get a real job. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way you can do music. You can't be in the, you know, like that's not a thing people do. I just, I mean, I didn't understand the music business, musicians, right. artists. I love playing music. Everyone in my family plays music where I was surrounded by music, but um, I just kind of felt like this is what you're supposed to do. Which that wasn't we, something that like you felt like it was like a attainable or valid yeah. path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you just don't know much. Of, I just didn't know much about the music business, but you know, after, yeah. after being in accounting, uh, I just was like, okay, I love the people I work with, but this work is mind numbing and it's so tedious. And I feel like I can't express myself. I can't be who I am. I can't, you just, I just felt like I was a robot going through the so motions. So you did feel that way. So it wasn't something where when Charles called, you thought, well, I'm kind of a good time, but I got, but you were, yeah. were you were, yeah. Like, I, not I mean, happy. again, I loved the people. Like the job was cool. Like imagine getting out of college and being placed on like a cool job. Like, and they sent me to Tokyo and Sydney and London on these wow. international clients with like these big teams that would swoop in and audit and get everyone's Excel spreadsheets and go through their numbers. But, it was that part of it was fun, but the work itself was just not fulfilling in any right. way, shape, or form. So, what was the for point me. when you started feeling that? Did you feel it through college? Was it one of those moments where you're like, "I'm in too deep now," but I feel like <laughs> this is not yeah. what I want to do? But 
school's yeah. expensive and yeah i mean i guess i again i just somehow felt like i i needed to do it i was supposed to do it and then while i was working in atlanta i stayed in touch with charles my senior year of college at georgia i lived with a couple buddies me and charles were, were friends in college he was like best friends with my best friend so we would always mm -hmm. hang out in the same circles and he was over at our our house it's called the treehouse uh rest in peace it fell down at georgia <laughs> um very apropos very, yeah i did <laughs> we'll get but, back to uh, that yeah, we'll get back to that. But I, my, I was living with a couple buddies that were best friends with Charles. So Charles was over at my house at Georgia, and I had the guitar out, and I would always play the guitar like at parties. You know, people would be like, "Play that Sublime song," and I'd play it, and like people would be like, <laughs> I love "Wow, the reference Sublime," you know. And but you know, Charles, he was like, "Man, I know you play guitar. You're good. Like, what if we wrote a song?" And so like, I just started playing some chords. Because I, I always look coming up with chord progressions. That's been a love of mine since I was in sixth grade. And I've learned how to record on my little tape Casio recorder was putting a couple chord progressions together. Right. So mm -hmm. I love doing that. So I just played a couple chords like open E. That was a very trendy kind of guitar nerd thing for a while. Just super open E chord progressions. And so I started playing some stuff and Charles started. Okay, hold on. Along. Can we, can we, what were you, cause you sort of just, you sort of, you had a little bit of tell there. What was the stuff you were listening to? Oh, so I was full on. So, uh, in the Christian music world, not even Shane and Shane, but Shane and Caleb, yeah, the, uh, which yeah, were pre -Shane prior and Shane. to yeah. Shane and Shane, which was a really big acoustic guitar influence on me at the time. I mean, in addition to like Dave Matthews band and James Taylor, um, the Christian music world, I really fell in love with the the musicianship of what they were doing in the early 2000s. So, I mean, the open E strumming stuff, which has made its way into so much of modern worship music, um, which was like a lot from the Texas Shane and Caleb stuff. Look up Shane and Caleb if I had to find their the, that str the CD. strum, yeah, so just still that like strumming and open E. And were, so they, start, were they the first ones to kind of do that? From a from an acoustic strumming standpoint, I feel like they were groundbreaking. Yeah, I, I really do in that in that world. I I don't know. I I loved the way that they made the they made the acoustic come to life. That's something yeah, I yeah. love to this day in Lady A and the way that we play when we're doing an acoustic show. One of my favorite things <clears throat> is to make the acoustic feel bigger than just a singular instrument. I love hmm. to make it feel well rounded. Feel like. You know, we can sit with one person. I mean, if I have one guitar and we're in an arena, it's just me, Charles, and Hillary. How to make that guitar fill the room with like rhythm and with texture and yeah. making it feel really full. Which so open I, tunings are profound in how much oh, they can so help. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Goo Goo Dolls, Iris open tuning stuff. And um, but yeah, so that kind of chord stuff, I was playing for fun, and Charles started humming a melody to it. And we wrote this song. Oh gosh, it was so terrible. It was so terrible. It was called Carpe Diem. Oh about, yeah. We thought it was very deep. Feels right. Feels right. I feel like that was like back in the day when like lyrics didn't matter. People just wrote like cool like oh, Nirvana, dude. Pearl Jam, like Toe Jam football. Like like you just wrote cool lyrics. Dave that and I talk cool. about this all the I time. Can't. Carpe Diem is just really starting to hit. Like I'm really <laughs> I'm, I'm really just I'm, I'm like marinating on that as a title. Yeah, like, just, well, let's go Latin based <laughs> for our first. <laughs> right, exactly. Very old school. Old school. Do you remember uh, what the school. rhyme was to Landium? Uh oh boy. Uh, Carbidium is on vacation, so it was kind of vacation. Was catching the em of Carbidium. <laughs> right. right. Um, but yeah, so we wrote this song, and it was so terrible. But from that moment. Like me and Charles were kind of in cahoots together, you know, texting on our 
blackberries back and forth like hey man like let's get back and and write a song and so i was working in atlanta and charles was working in winston-salem north carolina what was he doing he was working um gosh he was doing a couple random jobs he was a finance major at georgia huh and so he had a financial position but he was also working at kind of this waste hauling company too so he would kind of like pick up trash and do some waste hauling waste management stuff and then he'd do some financial stuff too but he would drive down and visit me in buckhead and i'd drive up to winston-salem and we would just write songs on the weekends and so that started kind of halfway through my atlanta job time me and charles just started writing songs together and it was so random like I look back at it now. I'm like, it was like he would come down and just stay in my little apartment by Buckhead over by Lenox Mall. And we'd just write like four or five songs. And then he'd drive back. And it was just, we were kind of like just having fun. Like mm. the song quality was horrendous and terrible. <laughs> but like he has such a great knack for melody and lyric. Mm-hmm. And, and good lord, this, his voice. Oh his my voice. gosh. Oh my so gosh. Good. Oh, it's so good. It's y'all. He could get up. I mean, I can remember we'd be at high school parties again. They'd be like, Dave, play a John Mayer song. So I get the guitar and start picking around and Charles would get up and and sing something. And I mean, I always remember like a party of 50 people in high school. Charles could get up on this crummy little SM58 at a party with me on a Takamini guitar and he could just slay the room. Mm -hmm. One of those moments where like, people are like, oh my gosh, like yeah. he is, he yeah. is unbelievable. Like he can, and, and to this day, I think the guy's got perfect pitch. I mean, he, he can, He's even when we can't even hear very well in a, in a, in a bad old arena or something, I, I get him turned up in my ear mix for a pitch reference because his pitch is, is so, so good. Johnny, Dave, can I call you baby? Like in what context? Well, this ready? Let me it's grilling it. season, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm fine with that. I'm so pumped to get out there, fire up that old grill, and get some meat sizzling. Oh, man. It's the best time of year, don't it you is. think? I've already had a few cooks myself. Oh, look you at know. you. I'm aware. Yeah. I smell it from my porch, and I know the mail system is having some problems, and that's why I'm going to let it slide, because I didn't get my invite over there for them sweet meats. Oh, right. Well, it was an email. So. Yeah. I said, are you still at DaveyDaveDave at AOL.hotmail? I'm actually at Soccer Girl with seven R's. You went, I knew you'd go back at to MindSpring.com. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's definitely not because I didn't invite you. That does hurt, though. Yeah. I'm picking up on some slight undertones. You might not have invited me, even though there's two. We now know there's mail and email, and I don't appreciate that. It hurts. Look, it's not personal. It's just it's about meat to human proportion ratios, you know. And I just want more steak. Luckily, though, today's sponsor, ButcherBox, believes everyone deserves high quality humanely sourced meat oh butcher box meat is so good on the grill it's actually beautiful in the box too mm-hmm. it couldn't be easier just sign up select your box and they ship it right to your door every month and get this john what because you're a listener to dadville i assume you listen to i listen often okay i mean I've been if busy. you sign up now you'll get free bacon for life i'm gonna say what? that slower free bacon for life when you well, sign up what are we freeing it from just kidding. That's just a hilarious joke. <laughs> you got Who it. doesn't love bacon other than vegetarians, I guess? Pigs. I don't know. Pigs, maybe. Or do pigs love bacon the most? Ooh. Butcher Box is a no-brainer, guys. It's the best meat shipped right to your door, which means less trips to the grocery store, and that rhymes. Mm. And with options like 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, mm. wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar-slash-nitrate-free bacon, 
It's the way me should be. The way me should be. So what more do you need to hear? Get on the butcher box train, because it's pulling out of the station, baby, and get that bacon for life. Right now, new members can get bacon for life. I want to say that phrase as much as I can. Bacon, bacon for, for life. When they sign up, just go to butcherbox.com slash dadville. That's a free bacon in every box for life of your subscription when you go to butcherbox.com slash dadville. Get your, get your bacon. bacon. Oh, I thought you were doing it. I didn't know. Get your You know, too, isn't it? I mean, I know both you guys played music in high school there. I can't explain. And you just you touched on it right then, Dave. There is something so like it's the closest I knew to magic. Like when you'd go somewhere when I was in high school and there would be a band playing of high school kids and especially originals, it felt like it was like the dark arts. It was like Jedi. Like how are they writing that? And they all are playing and it's together and they're pretty good. Like there were a couple bands in the high school and I was in a band in high school too, but like. What was the name of your band? Do you remember? Fishers of Men. Oh, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. yeah. Or Fishy that. Cement, if you didn't know quite what we said. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like, what is this stuff? Like, we can do this? These kids that I know can play guitar. And, and especially to point about Charles, like, he can sing like that? Yeah. Like, that's not, he's yeah. a high school kid. What, that, yeah. You know, so there's something to those. I still remember moments going to parties in high school and there being like, there were a couple bands in my high school and they had original songs and just yeah. I didn't know how to even think about it. I was like, I didn't know we had access to that sorcery. <laughs> yeah, I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I my my middle school band was called Overcast. Uh, oh my you know, gosh, like, that's actually pretty cool. The weather forecast, Overcast. <laughs> and uh, please tell me it was with a K. <laughs> I wish <laughs> we did have like a poster board logo, and I mean, you know, it was so funny. And Charles had a band too, so we actually had I call them rivaling, but they weren't really rivaling each other. But uh, he had a band called Spork. About like the spoon and fork, oh those neck like the the spoon and fork you would get. From the KFC. I love that y'all's was yep. cool and yep. overcast. His was spork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so overcast and spork and um, but yes, but they had his his band with his brother Josh Kelly. Oh, that's cheating. That's Josh cheating. Kelly and Josh Kelly. Oh, if you don't know about Josh Kelly, look up everything he's done. He was like my biggest musical. Um, encourager influence yeah got me really got me to nashville i yeah, really he, have literally texted him and called him and been like just thank you for the impact you've had on my life hmm. so josh kelly was in a band with his brother charles um which and, god that's two amazing vocalists in right? one band i know and they yeah. recorded a cd uh back in you know high school and had original music on it and it was Jeez. so cool and we kind of would start writing some original music me and my buddy adam boatman was in our band overcast as well <laughs> And uh, you, but yeah, I mean, starting <laughs> every time you say overcast, it's just like triggering me. <laughs> but it was, you're right. I mean, discovering music and discovering the creative portion of music. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's what felt different. I mean, yeah. I loved music and I adored like, yeah, I love the Eagles. I love James Taylor. I, I wore out Nirvana and Pearl Jam records and Dave mm-hmm. Matthews. We would tour around and travel and see Dave Matthews in concert mm-hmm. back in high school. I love live music but when i started to click into i can come up with my own chords oh, wait i can yeah. write my own thing i don't know what it means I, I it just it feels right i can i can do this myself that ownership of creating yeah. music is what i think really clicked for me e- even the, at that age like there yeah. was something in it 
Yeah, I mean, which, I had a... which I wonder if if that's why when you were at your accounting job, you knew something wasn't right because you had felt what it right. felt when it was right. I yeah. wonder I if think you maybe would have a experienced lot of yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah, yeah. if you hadn't tasted, you know, that uh, creative energy, the sweet, sweet freedom, the sweet, sweet of freedom overcast. of creativity. <laughs> Yes, Do I you know feel this. the same about that? Like, because Dave Barnes and I talk about this a lot. That the sort of the beginning when you're writing songs, and like you're saying, it's just so. I mean, some of my early songs, and some of them, I I even like made it on a record, and I still play today. The lyrics make absolutely no sense. No, yeah, and no yeah. one really seems to care, which. Mm bothers me a little bit but do you do you have the same relationship with that like i i can never it's hard for me to get back into that mindset where it's just so unfiltered and unedited and so free now yeah. it almost feels you still have moments where you're like oh this i think i'm onto something here yeah and i and it feels great but yeah. it feels different than it did back then yeah and i think what you know for me john what that reminds me of is you know, the early parts of like, let's say making our first, you know, Lady A record. I mean, the writing prior to that first record was completely that. It was like, let's just write words that sound cool together. Let's just write melodies that feel cool. Let's just have harmony that sounds full. Like, let's right. not think about it. Right. And then you kind of progress in your musical career. You understand sort of theory a little better you understand lyric lyrics i guess a little clearer and you start which is a to, blessing and a curse which is a blessing and a curse i know yeah. that's kind of what i think for me i felt like i took from that was like then you get to that place where you're like well i know what works i know what worked on radio i know what works when people will consume it and, and you start to yeah. lose a little bit of that love and that innocence of writing music and so it's hard to kind of put that it's hard to put that hat back on again of like mm. writing music like I was in high school where I didn't care. I just listened to the radio. I love songs. And I wanted to be like that guy. I wanted to be like that band. I wanted to write music like I heard on the radio. It's hard right. to kind of get back to that sort of place. But and and I feel like that's so true with so many other things in life as well. Well, I think know? too, especially for country, because for those who don't know a lot about that genre, it's such a well-oiled machine in a lot of amazing ways. Like it is such a substantial secure yeah. industry like that genre is so put together and it's yeah. and it and it can take you know the last year and it still stands up just as strong uh the the trick of it though is that it is what it is and so you can very quickly realize like oh these songs don't work in this context like they need to be better written. They need to have a little bit more of like that thing that makes them make sense in this context where you think about, you know, the bands you grew up listening to. Dave Matthews could kind of do whatever the heck he wanted, and it was a cool yeah, Dave Matthews so song. Cool. So so you have, you know, to your and John's point, you suddenly get into this place where they're going, okay, that's cool, but it doesn't work for this. And you yeah. immediately go like, oh, oh, okay, oh, there's a thing here. I got to sort of keep within the... You know, I got to yeah. be mindful of, which would be a whiplash. You know, I think, again, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Even you said this in passing, but with you and Hillary and Charles, but it's just so I love this about your story again, is how you have this job in accounting, you know, as accountant. Charles says, moved to Nashville. <clears throat> Josh is here. I know at the time, too. I think Charles was living with Josh, wasn't he? He was living with yeah, Josh. Kelly. And so, yeah. you know, you get here, you meet Hillary and 
I just think it's crazy to me, like the fortuitous of all ofness of all of it, where you know, I actually talked about this on my other podcast, Dave's Five Hot Takes, but I talked about you guys specifically, like vocal blend, because it's such a just that God would randomly be like, here are these three people. And because vocal blend, and you th- I remember being at a Fleetwood Mac show, you know, whenever that was seven, eight years ago, and you hear them sing, and, and I just immediately have emotional response. It's like the blend of those those four people or those three people is so crazy. It's like yeah. it's a new voice. It's a new thing. It's a new unified thing. And I think you guys have that. But to think that, mm-hmm. again, you have these people who – Hillary's different because Hillary's story is so cool because she grew up in Nashville. Sure. Mom's a professional singer. You know, they, sure. they, they are, There's a pedigree for it. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, John and I, but like, I'm just always so fascinated when you have then you and Charles and, you know, yes, he's got Josh, his older brother, but kind of comes out of nowhere. You're working a counting job, then all of a sudden you're in Nashville, then you get a record deal and then it really works. It's not like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like you guys find this like crazy sort of like amazing little magic box (laughs) where not only can you write songs together that are great, but when you sing the three of y'all, it is so... It just feels like the perfect chemical balance to make this really unique new blend that is then its own voice. Yeah. You know, it's like each of you you. have a voice, but then it comes together like a super voice or something, you know, and how out of nowhere it seems like all that happened. Well, thank you. I mean, first of all, thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, when we started, you know, we met Hillary. uh, Charles was out at a bar. I think it was, gosh, it was Exit, not Exit In. I'm so sorry. Uh, 12th and Porter was the bar, uh, and he met Hillary randomly there, and we were just riding, living at Josh Kelly's house, and he invited her to come over. And yeah, I mean, we, our very first song, we were I was literally on the piano when she walked in the home. I remember she came in through the garage out there in Cool Springs uh, outside of Nashville, and I was down at the piano, and she walked right in, and we didn't even stop to say hello. Charles was like mid-sing, this is, which is so Charles now that I look back on it now. You, you know, it's like... <laughs> We don't, we don't need the nuance of hello. Let's just go, come on, what are we doing today? Uh, and sure enough, he was like, check this melody out, check this melody out. What if you sang this harmony? And right there within the first mm. day of us, you know, meeting each other without any any idea of ever doing a band together, I mean, we started singing harmony together. I mean, I love harmony. I grew up singing family harmony. Everyone in my family sings and plays. It's a bit of a partridge family, if you will. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I love finding harmony parts. Uh, listen to a lot of music growing up, like Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, mm. as well as Christian music like Point of Grace. I mean, mm. those bands that like mm. a lot of harmonies. Yeah. And you try to find the parts and yeah. you, you try to figure out who's singing what mm-hmm. to make it blend. But yeah, I mean, when we started singing together, it felt, it just felt unique. It felt mm. unique. I mean, I've, I've sung with a lot of people, but the, I think you're right. I mean, I haven't thought about it in a while, but the blend when we all, th- when we all three hit, it makes me like feel something. Mm. I'm like, ah, there's the thing there. That, whatever that thing is. Yeah. I mean, it. Charles is like yeah. super like powerful, like grit kind of soul, Augusta, Georgia, soulful thing. Plus Hillary's like, um, kind of like this mid range, um, alto sultry tone, smooth, mm. sweet, innocent texture. And then like a third part, in there that lifts it like it just feels like this great like family harmony thing and so did y'all feel like when when y'all wrote that date was there kind of a moment Mm -hmm. whereby i kind of looked at each other like whoa did y'all feel that it felt pretty special but again this is all like 
you know, pre-band, pre-let's-go-play-a-show-together, it just felt like we could be the best writing trio ever if we can write. Wow. Because, we, you know, we have a woman, we have a female perspective, we have male perspective, we're able to do harmony stuff like, I mean, we could write songs for Garth and Trisha. We could write songs mm. for Tim McGraw. I mean, we just felt like, you know, we felt like we could be a good writing group, whatever that looks like, without any idea of a band. So who who was the first to write? It's like you're thinking writing at first, and then who who was the first to say like, well, what if this is Man, just? Yeah, that's our a great thing? question. So Hillary was kind of doing a solo project. She had a what they call a development deal, where a record label basically kind of gives you money, and it's like mm -hmm. let's kind of see how you do over the next year as you develop and write songs, and see if we end up giving you a real record deal after that time period. And so she had a record deal. So part of our thinking, too, was like, we can write songs for her because she is going to be the next, you know, Faith mm. Hill, Shania Twain, Trisha Yearwood. That's going to be Hillary. Charles yeah. and I can write her coattails and just write songs for her and never have to leave and just, you know, get royalty checks and write songs for Hillary. So we were thinking, OK. Oh, and oh, yeah, can, for sure. You can audit I can, uh, her, uh, do her I can do her You can still security. dabble in accounting. Yeah, I can do her website. Get her skins on MySpace. <laughs> that really dates me, I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and so we had probably written, I would say, close to 10 songs, maybe 12 songs. Um, our first song was called All We'd Ever Need. It was much better than Carpe Diem, I feel like. But A uh, little pushback, but sure. Yeah, yeah. But, um and then we wrote Love Don't Live Here. And <laughs> wow. we, had, we had about 10 or 12 songs that just felt kind of like, they just kind of felt unique and cool. And so we kind of said to Hillary, I feel like, I think Charles probably had the idea, like, what if we just go play a show as a side project? Because uh, Hillary, we know you're doing your kind of solo career thing. What if we did a side project for fun that was kind of this mamas and papas band of three people male and female singers, you know, kind of taking a page out of the Fleetwood Mac book and having multiple perspectives and multiple lead singers and, and different harmonies and different kind of styles of music. And so mm. we opened up our first show was opening up for Charles's brother, Josh Kelly, at Third and Lindsley. And Josh had a show. And basically he was like, I mean, I don't have an opener. I'm just playing a small <laughs> show here at Third and Lindsley. Like, if you want to play before me, you can play before me. And we were like, oh, my gosh, that'd be so cool. So we just got a couple musicians that we had met through like the kind of Nashville scene, Belmont circuit, um, which actually ended up being most of our band members to this day, the five backing band members in our band. Um, and so most of them were wow, there at that first cool. show. And so we opened up for Josh and it, you know, it was awkward. I mean, it was kind of weird. We didn't really know what to do on stage. It's a really small venue. Like, you know, Charles, I remember he just was like, I feel so awkward singing to Hillary. This feels strange. Like, we're not dating. This is weird. It just, all of it felt kind of fish out of water yeah. um, performing together for the first time because we just envisioned it to be kind of a side project. And we had a, enough fans that I felt like we're like, man, that felt really cool. Let's do another show. And so we started to play Third and Lindsley probably once every two weeks for about six, seven, eight months. Oh, wow. Um, we kind of felt like the house band, I feel like. Uh, and we got to know Ron really well oh, at Third and Lindsay. Ron Bryce, Third and huge yeah. shout out. Oh, huge part of our career. We've done some some TV interviews back at Third and Lindsay and, and tried to give him some shout outs too. He was a really big part of our same same for, for me uh, formative years as a band. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, being up on that stage, it slowly grew and slowly grew. And it was back when it was in the corner. It was in the corner. You're right. Oh, before they renovated, still maybe my favorite place to play. 
Yep. And the stage was right there mm-hmm. by the side door in the corner. Ugh. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we, we had, we felt like we were kind of on to something special and I think we had maybe a hundred, 125 fans that were kind of showing up week to week to see us play. Um, and at that point in time, the way Nashville, I guess, kind of works, you know, I didn't really understand at the time, you know, word kind of gets around to some of the record label people. Um, and before you know it, we had Mike Dungan from Capitol Records mm. that had come to one of our shows and saw us and, and basically <laughs> offered us a record deal in that backstage room at Third and Lindsay. No was, way. Yeah, right there in that little dressing room. Tiny he was dressing. like, man, I'd love to sign you guys to Capitol Records. And we were like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And so it was it was a real special for, you know, those first couple years. It, it's just such a special time. You know? So yeah. this is a perfect setup. That's it, so isn't that- great. That's so, like... That's exactly what you envision. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, you're like, yeah. well, we'll play and then a we'll couple get shows and then a record executive yeah. will come yeah. to our green room. Yeah, with Michael a Jackson's going to sign That's me to a record label. Well, I, I uh, think, yeah, to your <clears> point, John, I do, th- I mean, my hope was always like, we're not going to force this thing. I, I want it to feel organic. We want it to feel genuine. Um, and yeah. so I, I, we feel lucky. I mean, we really feel lucky, y'all. I mean, you, you know how many talented people there are mm. in Nashville, let alone the country, let alone the world. I mean, there's so many talented people that it, it had to be God's plan. I mean, it had to be a part of an, a, a journey that the Lord has us on, because if this didn't happen, if this didn't happen, if Charles didn't ask me to move to Nashville, mm. if we didn't stick with writing, if we didn't meet Hillary, if we didn't click, I mean, so many things had to fall into place, which can only be you know part of his plan. So, so uh, I, I would regret you and John and I, as we were talking through this, the show before we started, we both agreed this is something that you need to tell the people. So you guys obviously get signed, and then you have to do <laughs> what everybody loves, which is those shows, those first shows for the radio. Will you please, we both brought this up, not knowing we yeah. each were going to bring this up. Would you please tell the I wanted story? this to be the main focus of the whole <laughs> interview. Would you please tell the story? Where you guys, was it on the, was it on the back of a truck? You guys oh. are a hayride or whatever that oh. story. <laughs> you mean the opening of deer season? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, so you get signed. <laughs> you get, if you get a record deal, they want you to be in front of all the country <clears throat> radio stations, right? So they send you what's on called, uh, they send you out on a radio tour. So you go around to essentially every kind of major market radio station in the United States. And you basically show up and just play in their conference room and offer free pizza. So they'll come down and like watch you and see what you're up to. And it's super like, you know, fluorescent light room. There's no ambiance. It's like 930 in the morning after they're done broadcasting and they're just getting free donuts and coffee. And they're like, cool, who's this band? And so uh, one of the events, I gosh, it was up (laughs) in Milwaukee. It was up in Milwaukee. And I actually told this story, and then they put this story on the air, and then we came back and actually played this because they were like, you called us out. So we've already worked through this with them. But, uh, <laughs> and we're, we're at a good place with them now. But basically, they had us in a gas station, um, and it was before the sun came up so that we could play before all the deer hunters went out <laughs> into their deer stands. Um, so, you know, dawn breaks it. 5 45 6 a.m so we're in this gas station at like 5 30 and everyone's just kind of having breakfast getting ready to head out in full camo and orange and all the usual stuff i don't deer hunt i've gone like dove hunting but i've never really done deer hunting but But it feels so on brand for lady a this is very (laughs) on brand so you know we're there kind of we'd kind of like wake up early and get dressed up in our cool like you know 
uh, show clothes, show clothes, and cool necklaces, and like we're trying to look cool, and we show up in this <laughs> cool gas necklaces. station in the middle of nowhere. On the it was the opening day of deer season, and uh, there we are, there there we are, Lady A is playing Love Don't Live Here, just acoustic right over by the uh, cashier in a gas station on the opening day of deer season. I mean, dude, and it's just that is so great. It's yeah. so rich. I want I want to like start another <laughs> podcast and call it like radio promo or something oh, and dude. just interview because i feel like this it, these are where the best stories live everyone yeah. is starting out you do countless radio promo things yeah, yeah. and you just have them because they're so random you have no <laughs> idea i mean one i told this story in another podcast but i put my first single was beautiful disaster oh, uh, yeah. which is a song about yeah. body image and all this kind of stuff and in charleston uh, South Carolina, I played like my third radio promo thing of the day. I played after, immediately after a wet t-shirt contest. Oh my gosh. And God. the song is called Beautiful Disaster. Oh, disaster. About oh body gosh. image. It's women. just like oh during gosh. the radio promo, you just know, no one's communicating. No one even knows yeah. what's happening. You show yeah. up and it's like, Oh, on the schedule today, we're we're opening yeah. deer season. Is that 545 yeah, yeah, yeah. a.m.? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but those, I mean, gosh, those years, you know, I, have, I don't think back to them, but it was such a wild, special time. I mean, literally, we would, you know, didn't have a dime to our name riding around in a van touring these radio stations yeah. trying to promote our first single, Love Don't Live Here. Mm. Um, Very we unifying it, for you guys. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, we would, we, we heard it on the radio for the first time. Mm -hmm. I remember that. The station called The Bee in Rochester, New York. He played it at like one thirty in the morning. We stayed up to listen to it and... <laughs> Um, man, it's just those were like those sweet kind of crazy times that are, are once in a lifetime Yeah, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> you you, you say this and I think it's really profound. You know, it, it's something that I think is so amazing about the three of y'all is um, and I think I, I've thought about this a lot because, you know, John and I are solo artists and so we don't have to navigate, you know, the, the relationships and, and enter band personnel personalities um but it seems to me that the commonality of any band that stays together for literally even more than five years forget a decade forget 15 years is i think there's always got to be this respect you know and i think that one of the things that is so endearing to me about you guys is that you if you hear any of y'all talk about each of the other of you guys it's always with so much respect like you know, even hearing you talk about Hillary and, and, and Charles right now, and they do the same. Like, and it's very genuine. Like, it's not a manufactured thing. It's not something that ever feels like, well, they're my bandmates. So I got to, hey, are we recording? Okay. You know, Charles, he's <laughs> just as talented as he is tall. But, like, I think, you know, it, it's it's so true. And, and, I, and, you know, you sort of fast forward through all these years to a year like you guys have had this year. I can't imagine how much knowing how well you guys love and have always supported each other and the dynamic through ups and downs and everything that going through one, just be so, so being off the road, you know, you're yeah. home, you, you aren't getting to do what you love to do, but then also just navigating the tricks of changing your name out of respect. And then all the things that come with that. Right. Um, I can't imagine how this, and we're back, folks. That oh. was a fun little blip. That was that was the Lord trying to tell me oh. not to ask that question. But that but I mean, I think yeah. I think when you think about you know the, the especially this last year being off the road um, 
and then again, change your name out of respect and kindness and then all the things that have come with that. How, what is a dynamic like and, and, and what is that like to go through with other people? I, I, that would be terrifying to me if I had to navigate that by myself, but what is it? What do you, and two, not only what was it like going through with them, but what do you feel like you've learned? Have you had things you've taken away from that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, to the beginning part of your question, you know, our relationship is really a special, Oh, hmm. I mean, it almost makes me emotional. I just don't know where I would be without, without Charles and Hillary hmm. and, and not just on a band perspective. But the kindness and the belief in me and my talent and what I bring and what I provide and their validation of me and, and our mutual respect and mutual validation for each other. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine walking through any of this without them. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, our, our, I mean, we've had our wrestles, we've had our tussles. We, it's like a marriage, right? I mean, you kind of hmm. have those moments where you say something and you're like, God, that was terrible. <laughs> um, you know, we've all had our, our slip ups and, and our disagreements, but gosh, at the end of the day, I mean, the thing we all agree on is how much we love and respect each other and appreciate what we each bring. I mean, just the strengths of when, when all three of us are together mm. in our special place, bringing what we bring, our strengths and our um, our talents all together. I mean, it's just firing all cylinders. Mm. I mean, it, and 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 yeah, it's a genuine thing. So. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic, being off the road, the sort of hitting the major breaks on that and being mm. able to kind of look at each other and go, y'all, it's okay, we can make it through. You know, we've always talked <laughs> talked about wanting to be home with our kids more because we've toured so much. Um, let's try to take this time and, and make the most of it, turn inward, work on ourselves, write mm. music together if we can, if it's safe. So I think we've made, <clears throat> tried to make the most of that. And then obviously... You know, the name change, I mean, the three of us, which I'm happy to speak on on any of that. I mean, our our heart and our intent, and I wish I could, you know, broadcast to the world, you know, speaking with Hillary and Charles on a lot of in a lot of Zoom calls because it was during the pandemic or in person about that decision. Um, and just the dozens and dozens of friends of color that we spoke to about it, mm. got on calls with them and walked through things like, you know, what when you see our name lady annabellum would you you know click on our music or not and you know the unanimous um uh words from our friends of color were yeah i don't feel like i'm invited to that music wow and i don't feel like that music is really for me i don't know what you guys represent you know because of that words connections to a time when slavery was was mm. the predominant thing in our history right so again you know i i I we didn't see these those things coming. We just thought it was a cool, crazy name about the <clears throat> antebellum homes, uh, that kind of old style of home in the South, right? But walking through that journey together, I mean, we I couldn't have done it. I mean, solo. I mean, we we had so many deep, heartfelt moments of recognizing blind spots, recognizing, well, gosh, the last thing we want to do mm. is have somebody hold a ticket that says Lady Antebellum, and them not know what they're walking into at a concert. And we wow. heard that from many friends of color. And I just didn't see that. I didn't know that just the, the word alone would make you go, well, what are these guys, what do they represent? Because what I hope that we have established over our career with 
the music we write, the things that we speak about and sing about, the ways that we really feel called to um, do charity work and to donate our time and money. I mean, these are things that like, we don't do that reactionary. We are proactive about mm. establishing, like you mentioned, Lady Aid in my bio. I mean, we we set up this organization that gives like a dollar for every ticket we've sold to mm. a lot of these organizations we believe in. I mean, these are things that I we deeply feel called to be positive wow. people on this earth. I mean, we deeply feel called that our mission as a band is one of love and one of unity and one of making sure no one feels excluded and that they, when they click on our music, they're going, oh, I love this band or man, this song's such a jam or man, this song really spoke to me or this song inspired me or man, this got me through a breakup. I mean, we've, I mean, you guys too, as musicians, you've walked through those stories where your music means so much to people. And so, you know, we didn't want there to be any barrier. I don't want there to be any barrier where somebody would not click on a song about love and hope and a song about who God is to us and a song about having fun. I mean, we don't want anyone to have a barrier to click on that. Hmm. because of the name. And so, I, you know, after many dis discussions with so many friends of color, the decision was an easy one because that's not what we want to represent. We actually hmm. want to better represent who we are, which is people about love and hmm. about unity. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it comes with its challenges for sure, but being able to encourage each other hmm. through that, um, you know, we have countless, we're on a group text message. I'm sure you guys probably have some fun little group text chats that you're on, <laughs> right? But we have one, me, Charles and Hillary, of course, that we, I mean, we text every day, y'all. Let's mm. just call it what it is. We love each other. And, you know, we're always texting things. And, you know, sometimes we would just be like, man, I'm, I'm still praying that God would use this moment mm. for us to, to, to create some conversations in people's homes that may not have happened yeah. to talk about race, to yeah. talk about social justice. Mm. Um, to, to, to maybe take a look at how we can each do our own part in this journey of racial reconciliation. And so, you know, that's been our prayer and that's been our hope. Um, mm. And that's really just kind of been our, our guiding light, leaning on each other, supporting each other. But yeah, if we did not have such a strong relationship, I mean, we've been a band now for, uh, gosh, 2006. So 15 years. I mean, we've been a band mm. for 15 years. And I think you're right, Dave, when you said there's a lot of bands that don't make it past five or seven mm. Um, and a lot of marriages that don't make it past five or seven. I mean, mm. this is truly a marriage between the three of us, and we would not have gotten this far if it weren't for that love and respect mm. for each other. And, you know, it, it became very true at walking through the pandemic, walking through changing our name, um, how much our relationship and how much we need each other, how much mm. we love each other, and how um, support. Oh no, John. Dave, what? Let me tell you, I got told today I dress like a typical dad. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, just because I wear my sandals with socks, right? But you know what that doesn't mean? That what? I should be called basic? Absolutely not. Look, Gosh. you're anything but basic, Dave. Thanks. Weird? Sure. Hey. Basic? No. no that's fair. But look, I get it. Being a dad, dressing for functionality mm -hmm. over aesthetics mm -hmm. might be your vibe right now. Sure. Which, there's nothing wrong about that. Thank you. But I have the solution for you. Okay, Mr. Hot Stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I do mean that. What's your secret besides just genetics, just what God gave you? Cuts. Oh. Cuts combines Ooh. comfort and class with their premium men's apparel. So you can treat the dad in your life to his new favorite clothes with classic universally flattering designs Ooh. and comfortable textile technology 
cuts is the Tesla of t-shirts, hoodies, polos, and sweatshirts. Don't say sweatshirts. I knew you were going to say that. Did you hear about this brand in GQ? Because mm-hmm. GQ magazine calls Cuts Classic Pika Pro Tri-Blend Tee the only shirt worth, worth wearing. wearing. If was, you're not wearing those sick. shirts, guys, take it off. Your shirt's okay? not worth it. I guess it's time for me to find out why, Johnny. I love it. Yes. From their signature buttery soft Pika tri-blend tees to their cozy Hyperloop French Terry fabric hoodies. Dave, you know how much I love Hyperloop. You've always been in a Hyperloop French Cuts, Terry fabric hoodies. <laughs> Cuts elevates clothing staples with cutting-edge fabric technology, Dave. Oh, Johnny, this is a PSA for Annie and I. For mm. Father's Day, give Dad, a.k.a. me, <laughs> this is me, and you too, actually, the gift of something that he'll feel good and look great in at any point with Cuts clothing. Plus, you'll get 15% Ooh, off. You thought hot. I was going to say 10%. No. But it's 15% off yeah. your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash dadville. So that's cutsclothing.com slash dadville for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. I may or may not have a full card already. Guilty as charged. I'm ready to look like a cool dad. Get your cut on. Supportive we are of each other. That, that, um... I just, I, I mean, this sounds cheesy, but I, I've, I was so proud of you guys watching from the sidelines because I think you did hopefully what any of us can do when you find something that is um, discongruent with what you think and believe and, and you work to make it better and change it. Absolutely. And I, I was just so proud from the sidelines seeing you guys be so proactive to do that, you know, because I think once we learn what we learn, the next step we have is to try to make that thing better is to try to fix anything that might not be right. Um, Which the truth is, is that happens to every human on the planet who's paying attention to themselves and their community. Yeah. You know, with with some, it happens on a, under a spotlight though. Yeah, that's right. You guys had to learn something with the world watching, which is a very different, (laughs) less gracious place than your wife and friends watching. Um, One of, speaking of, uh, of, of your wife in the world watching, one of my favorite things that happened from the, yeah, watch me pivot, watch me pivot, watch me doogie is, uh, the videos that you and your wonderful wife. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, people need to go, they need to pause this and go watch. Yeah. is, it, if so you can great. go find these videos, so y'all, y'all are two of my favorite married couple couples because you guys are just such hysterical. The two of you, y'all, are so different and so wonderful together. Like, I think about you and Kelly, who you know, Annie and I have known y'all separately for a really long time, and then together also. I mean, Annie was was actually talking about, um, I forget what brought up. She was talking about, you know. Because she had been such good friends with Kelly, and then y'all started right. dating, and that whole thing, you know, turning. Yeah. But but Kelly is this strong, very like she's so <laughs> she's passionate, and she's also hysterical. She's a force. Like she's, she's a, force. a goofball. Like yeah. I mean, a goofball. And so it's so when y'all put those videos out, I was like, this is just the apex of the Haywood power. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> everything was building um, to this. Yes. And where did we yeah, go? It, it kind of was. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Well, our we put out a video. My wife and I, like, the pandemic started. You know, th- those first few months were just like so crazy, right? Because it, it was still so new. I think yeah. we're sort of normalized now in our day to day behavior, right. right? But the beginning of the pandemic was so like, what in the world is happening? I can't leave my home. I can't see anyone from a hundred feet away. What is happening? Yeah, yeah. And so, man, you hit the cabin fever point at home of like, I've done every device. I've done every Netflix show. 
I don't know what to do with my children any longer. <laughs> so let's just write a funny song about it to sort of try to sum up what's happening. So we, we, we I mean, my wife loves, and I love my wife so much. We both love 90s country so much. Like the Tracy Lawrence, Phil Vassar, um, all the great 90s, like females, Jody Messina. So yeah, what my wife and I love 90s country. And so we took the Phil Vassar song, Just Another Day in Paradise, and wrote Just Another Day in Quarantine. <laughs> and uh, man... For, for, and on our level, for what we're doing, man, it was a one-hit wonder. And I felt like, oh. I was like, honey, we've hit the big time here. It's time to retire. Right. I mean, I don't think we, there's no way to generate revenue on this at all. But we, man, we have a lot of likes right now. And, uh, oh, it was such a it was such a hoot. And I love seeing my wife get silly because she is. She is, she's an Enneagram 3. She's an achiever. She's strong. She is, let's get it done. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. And so... For her to be silly and goofy is such a part of her DNA as well, and I, I feel love like, it too. It was so much fun. Recording I feel like I'm video. outing her, and she's probably gonna get so mad. I can feel her judgment from two blocks away <laughs> at her and Annie's <laughs> office right now. But it is, it is. She is so goofy. Like she's yeah. one of the goofiest people I know. And yeah. I feel like if people don't know that about her because she's so business yeah. savvy and yeah. get it done type, but man, there is yeah. a other. There's an underbelly. That is yeah. so goofy and so yeah. funny and so silly. And yeah. so I was so proud of her for being like, yeah, this is the world's yeah. got to know. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this is how the Haywoods roll. You know, and it was just, you know what, it, during such a challenging time and not to turn it super deep, but it was just fun to be silly and have fun. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of challenges. We're all going through this kind of unknown time. And gosh, it was so fun to just like have fun with my wife again. Mm. Well, you know, like like do something yeah. fun together. You know, they yeah. talk about that a lot in counseling. Adult yeah. play, not in the that's sexual also important, way, but though. adult play. That like too. having fun together. Let's not lose sight of that. Yeah, that's let's, also, let's, it, not, let's not fly over that too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that. And uh, but yeah, I mean, to just to do something funny and have our kids in it and kind of laugh at ourselves we're, we're very i like to be self-deprecating that's my kind of humor is like self-deprecating yeah yeah, yeah. So. so so what you know being home i mean you spoke to this with the quarantine like i mean you guys have played a lot of shows in your 15 years together i mean that's been a rhythm of y'all's life is you know that was you as a single guy that was then you as a married guy that was now you know it's been you yeah. as a dad with your two kids what has it been like being home now i mean have you felt like seismic sort of heart soul shifts or is it you know how have you handled that and where's your head with that yeah that's a great question i mean I, I think you know what comes to mind dave is there's parts of it that for my personality feel cozy and comfortable to be home um i'm an enneagram nine which is more of sort of uh you know internal introvert peace everything's cool let's be chill um and so there's a coziness to me mm -hmm. of being able Mm -hmm. to be a part of morning drop-off and pick-up for my kids mm. uh, when they're able to be in school. And there's a coziness to, like, the day-to-day -day kind of routine. I mean, I, I have now hit a point, for sure, that I miss the sort of, like, excitement of just travel and hopping on a plane or hopping on the tour bus and being backstage with the band and being in front of crowds and, like, the adrenaline rush of that I totally, totally miss. But I'm telling you, there's a part of me that kind of the way I grew up, like I can sit in this studio that I'm in now, my basement recording studio, and just be on the piano, be playing some tracks, recording, writing. And there's a real genuine fulfillment and happiness with that for me. So so just to be totally transparent, like there's parts of 
hey, everybody needs to stay home, that I kind of go, oh, there's no expectation today? I'm, yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm cool yeah. with that. You know, as, as much as, look, what we do is in the public eye, and I, I love that. I feel like we're called to do that. Um, and I and I really feel blessed and thankful that we get to do that. Mm. But there's parts of my personality that that love the studio, that love writing, that love mm. being home with the kids. And I, I love, I mean, look, in a perfect world, you have both. But I think to even your point, Dave, about touring, I really felt like I would have missed a lot if mm. we would have kept chugging along. We had a big tour planned with uh, Jake Owen and Maddie and Tay. We're going to be opening up. We were going to be promoting our latest album called Ocean. Um, and it was a full U.S. or amphitheater tour. I mean, the full, you know, the big old thing. And, you know, my daughter's two, she was two, now three years old. And my son was five, now six. And they have grown so mm -hmm. much in this time that it almost just really makes me so sad that I would have missed all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, my son is learning to read. And like last night we were sitting there, he was reading me a book. And, you know, to watch my little girl, like we just play unicorns and princess and she paints my nails and I paint hers. And <laughs> like, I, you know, like these moments would have kind yeah. of happened, but I would have been kind of tired and like exhausted and just mm -hmm. been like, well, mm -hmm. daddy's home for two days to do laundry mm -hmm. before he has to get back mm -hmm. on the bus. Bye. Yeah. And I just as hard as it is, as frustrated as you can get on the day to day with mm. uh, with kids and what to do and devices and eat your food and limits and boundaries. I mean, I feel sad that. If we would have been chugging along, man, some of these moments, oh my gosh, I just, I've been trying to relish them and, and you know, stuff them away as just special life moments that I would have missed some of it. I would have missed some of it. And so I've been so thankful on, on uh, not for anything that has happened because of the pandemic and mm. coronavirus, but I'm thankful for some of the memories and the moments mm. I've gotten from it um, because, man, these formative years, I don't know, like it's just been a special, it's been a special time. And, and I love getting to see them. And I mean, I take them, I take them to school every day and then I'm kind of mm -hmm. home working on stuff in the studio or doing a virtual concert with no audience, but you know, it's, it's been, it's been fun to be with them on the reg as the kids say. And when you're on tour, like full on, I remember early on when we would tour so much, this was before kids, but I remember like romanticizing things like, uh, like, a game night with friends you know like you go to, you go yeah. to like milwaukee and you're chatting with the friends who live there and they're like oh this is like our game night crew we normally have game night and i'm like like a regularly yeah. scheduled thing that you know you can be at or like hanging your yeah. clothes up in a closet <laughs> yeah. you know taking yeah. your kids to school yeah. it's like that that stuff is like you just love i used it. to I used to leave my suitcase out, John. I don't know if you did this, but like I used to just leave my suitcase out. It would just yep. stay out for all of the months between March and October, yep. right? Like it would just stay on my bathroom floor and you'd kind of laundry, do some things and change out your toiletries when you're out of like Old Spice. But like <laughs> other than that, it would just stay open on the floor to throw new stuff and then head back yep. out on the road. And yeah, I mean, having real relationships and community, we have a couple of neighbors around us that have become really deep, dear friends and I really feel like I know them like on a much deeper mm. sort of like go through the struggles of life together kind of friends as opposed to like, you know, let's just kind of hang out once every three right. months. So I, I feel like some of those relationships wouldn't have happened right. as well. So so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I said this, you know, we had Russell Dickerson on um, nice. and 
we, I said this to him too. I, it is, it's, this is a weird thing to say, but I have just gotten so much joy seeing my friends who tour a lot, being able to be, to rest, mm. you know, which feels weird, but I just, it's almost given me another sense of like, I've almost breathed with you guys of just going like, I'm so glad. And, and again, you said, you said it very well. It's not come without its stresses and, and trouble, yeah. but I do think for my, especially my country music friends, cause it's such a consistent, you know, grid you're on of how it tours and what the seasons look like. And it's, you know, it's one of the best things about it, but it's, you know, you guys are busy. You're, you're, you're yeah. doing your thing. And it's been a weird thing to sort of feel like, man, I'm just glad everybody's gotten a little bit of a breather, you know, like yeah. a forced kind of like Sabbath from work in that yeah. way for a little while, you know, just to be able to kind of be home and to, and I think especially to not, and you, you nailed this. And I think this is very, well said is, is being like, Oh, nobody is expecting anything. So it's not just been that I'm taking uh, yeah. a break, a six month break from the road that mm -hmm. literally you don't have to do anything. Yes. You yeah. can really just be, you know? Yeah. The, the expect, I think the key word for me has been the expectation. You know I mean? There is a quote, I think it was Brene Brown one time that talked about snow days mm. and I love snow days and I never thought about why I really loved them, but there's something that happens on a snow day. She was making the point where the expectation's gone, right? Mm -hmm. If you're just if you just make the choice to stay home, you feel like you're missing out on something. You're letting people down. Uh, you're not doing what you should be. You're being lazy. You're being a sloth, right? Mm -hmm. But on a snow day, everybody's got the same expectation <laughs> that we're all just going to chill. Yeah, we're all going to stay in our homes. We're all going to do this. And so, yeah, I mean, without having, uh, you know, that kind of pressure of you got to be here. You got to do this. You got to be at this event. You got to be at this show. You got to be at that. I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's the part that, yeah, definitely sticks out to me in that as well, Dave. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, um, you nail that. And, and I've never actually thought about that as a snow day, but that is exactly why I love snow days. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like no, let's just do whatever. I mean, John, yeah. this my, John always walks over and this, this happened right on time on that first snow day. He walked over like, I just love these days. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, and, and it is like kind of nostalgic, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like the 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 quarantine forced all of us, who you know, I know I I wouldn't have ever, you know, barring some barring my wife coming to me and being like, "You have to stop. We're in crisis," yeah. you know. But I would have never. It's so scary to jump off the train, mm. you know, especially in our business where it's like you can. There's the fear of being, you know, forgotten. There's the fear of, yeah. you know, you got to keep it going. Nothing is guaranteed, you know. So I never yeah. would have shut down for a year. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been interesting, us and all of, you know, all of our friends being forced to do this, sort of like guilt-free a little bit, and then discovering right. what you actually are drawn to and discovering Ooh. like, oh, maybe I don't you know, maybe I'm not necessarily this way where I can't sit down or I can't stay in the studio for, you know, straight or whatever. It's more just, I was a part of that nonstop machine out of fear. I, I, I think it's, it's forced me to realize yeah. how much decision-making I made out of sort of fear, fear and survival. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I think what resonates you know, John, with me and that is, you know, in our industry, like you've mentioned too, Dave, I mean, the country music industry, I mean, I, you know, you somehow get this message in anything, I guess in anything, right? If you take your foot right, off the gas, right. you are done. You're done. Yeah. I mean, that's the way you feel, right? Is that 
if we start to let up on anything, I mean, when we started to to have families, that was a real struggling point on the decision making on Lady A touring, what mm. we're doing, how much of it, how much time we're in the studio, I mean, how much we're gone. And, you know, some you can bring your kids sometimes, but it's a challenge to load up <laughs> young kids, fly across the country, hang out on a tour bus with nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, there are great perks to that. And I'm blessed we can bring families. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. And and we hit that point, too, of like, y'all, let's settle into, I mean, this is probably around year nine or 10 for us as a band. We have to find a happy medium to settle into, you know, our fans that have come along on this journey with us still love us. If we put out one less song every year or if we're, we're not as busy, but, you know, I, I want to be home. Like, I, I mean, I, I remember we had a show. I had to cancel cancel a show to come home for the birth of our son. And, um, you know, I felt so terrible about it. I felt terrible. And I, and I remember, you know, looking back on it, it's like, oh, my gosh, be with your wife and your child for the birth of your son. Like, please go. But in that moment, I'm like, well, if we miss the show, then we don't get paid. And then the fans are going to be disappointed. And then it's going to be like, then we've lost our traction. And then now I need some time at home with the kids and we're going to lose our footing at radio. Yes. And no one's going to uh. love us. And then you're done. I mean, like we make up these stories of fear that are so fear based in the songwriting and, and entertainment and performing world. And mm -hmm. I feel like we've really chiseled away at that very hard to speak again to our relationship. So between me, Charles and Hillary, we share uh, great different perspectives and conversations on this topic all the time. And I think we have found a great, great happy medium that I feel like we're all on the same page with and comfortable with on kind of how we tour, how long we tour. We try, like, you know, little things like we try not to play more than three shows a week so we can be home for school drop offs. Just things that like are important to us that we all kind of balance and respect how we each feel about it. So, but yeah, I mean, why, why, why do we do that where it's like mm. the second we stop pushing, we're done, you yeah. know? And, 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 you know, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and you would think that those, those fears would dissipate the bigger yeah. you get, but they, you know, that when you had to cancel the show, I'm sure you're thinking if it were just you and a tour manager, yeah, you'd still have that fear. Yeah. And the fear would be, oh, well, I'm still building. I can't stop momentum. Yeah. But where you were, you guys have crew, you've got yeah. buses, you've got there's you're affecting the lives of all these people. There's just more yeah. ammunition for your fear. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. a good way to put it. <laughs> um, but I I did want to ask what which you already kind of spoke about a little bit, but what was it like becoming a dad for you like when mm. you first became a dad was it at a time where you uh were you guys kind of like planning it out a little bit like amy and i we we sort of we had our time we had about seven years before yeah and then thankfully we were able to be like okay we're ready and then yeah. within that year you know we got pregnant thankfully and all that kind of stuff yeah 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 was we, it part um, of the plan and what was it like for you yeah great question i mean we um we got married my wife kelly and i got married i mean we say a little later but by whose standards i guess we got married when we were both 30 <clears throat> actually i was 29 and she was 30 and i remind her of that which i shouldn't but i'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, <I shouldn't. laughs> uh, but we we both got married yet yeah, 29 and 30 and it was a little bit later than what i guess i thought and so i felt like we both had kind of accomplished a lot done a lot that we wanted to do and in, in sort of that own like you know traveling the world seeing a lot of things that's a great question john i haven't it's funny i hadn't thought about that in so long but yeah we both felt like i mean about a year into marriage we did a couple fun trips and we felt we, we were just living this fun like newly married honeymoon period and we just kind of were like 
I mean, we've done a lot of things. We've done all these fun trips for us. Like, you know, like let's like I want to grow. I want to I want to know what it feels like to be a parent. Let's let's start that journey. Let's begin that process. And so um, we had our son, I guess, two, two years into marriage, two years into marriage. And so two or three years into marriage. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we started trying kind of early on in marriage a year, about a year into marriage. We just kind of felt like the Lord put that on our heart. Like, I want to grow my family. I want to, you know, what my, the way my parents love me, I want to know what that love mm-hmm. feels like to love someone else. And, um, so yeah, we were, we were, um, you know, fortunate enough to get pregnant in the first two years, had our son cash. Um, and we were still actively touring. And so again, it was still a busy time. I do feel like there's some moments of that time that feel busy. Like I was in and out quickly and, um, you know, I was home for two weeks and then I left back out on the road. And so some of that, I feel like, you know, my wife was really carrying so much of that time (laughs) with our family. Um, and then, um, you know, and then we had our daughter, Lily, three years later, she's now three. Um, and it's good. We feel like we're a content that's house right now. We feel good. We feel good with two <laughs> and a dog. But uh, <laughs> that's the number. That's the number. But man, it's it's uh, I don't know. You know, the thing about kids, I was I was thinking about this, too. I think when you asked me, Dave, a couple of months ago or maybe a while back about possibly doing this podcast. And, you know, I mean, being a dad, being a parent, I, I don't want to sound like I don't care about my career, but it just just doesn't matter as much. Like, it just doesn't like I I. I don't mean that for anyone listening to be like, he doesn't care about, I almost feel reinvigorated to like go accomplish things and show my kids that you can chase your dreams and do some things. But at the end of the day, there's kind of this, if I'm being totally vulnerable and transparent, I just kind of like, I want my my family unit to be happy and healthy mm. and safe and, and learning and growing. And it's great if we achieve some things and accomplish some more things and have some more hits possibly or, able to keep touring. I want to keep touring for 20 years. I want to be able to play, you know, shows in whatever capacity for 20 years with Lady A, of course. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 1000%. But part of it just doesn't matter as much. I mean, your heart kind of shifts. It mm. just shifts towards like, how can I make sure these little humans get some nuggets of wisdom and see dad doing what he loves, but being present and, mm. and making sure you're engaged. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, it's the great struggle, right? It's a, it's the great challenge of parenting is, yeah. but yeah, I feel like your, your, your focus and the lens you look through completely shifts mm. on day one. And, and it's hard. I mean, those infant years are hard. I think they were challenging for my wife and I, I think we're going to, we're kind of better parents in the toddler, little kid, youth area age, <laughs> the infant age was just hard for us. And maybe we love sleep so much. It just really wrecked us. But yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, your mindset changes drastically, yeah. Mm. Well, that dad. could be said for, like, people should know, if you don't have kids, if you require sleep, that beginning <laughs> part's going to be rough. Yeah, you're If yeah. you're yeah. someone who doesn't sleep, then maybe you'll be okay. Yeah. But, Dracula uh, would love, you know, Sure, kids. he's going to be okay. okay. He's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. I know, and yeah. that's like my Enneagram number, like, we always nap a lot, too. So, like, that's like... <laughs> My my naps have gone out the window is the way that I used to know them too. So <laughs> as I used to know them. <laughs> Did I tell you that story, Dave, of how I uh uh when I was learning about the Enneagram, it's you know, been a cool tool to help me like have empathy for others and mm-hmm. learn about myself more. But the way I discovered my number, I was reading through the book <laughs> and I got to the part on Enneagram nine, which is peacekeeper and you know we can be kind of like floating through life and everything's cool we don't want any conflict right 
And then I remember like all these things I was reading, I was taking it in and I was like, God, this is a lot. I'm like emotionally wiped out right now. I, I need to take a nap. And so I literally laid there, took a nap with the book on my chest and fell asleep for about 45 minutes. And, I, and when I woke up, I turned the page and it was like, Enneagram nines require lots of naps and sleep. And I was like, oh my God, this is definitely my number. I'm definitely a nine. Because I like, felt yeah. so emotionally, I was so emotionally like, who just peered into my soul and, and realized the way I see the world? I was so wiped out I had to sleep. And then I woke up and read that's like the marquee sign of like a nine. It has a, like, it has a picture of a guy napping with a book on his chest. As a yeah, number nine. I was like, whoops, that's me. That's me. <laughs> that's so funny. Um. Well, you you have been so kind to give us so much time. We we love wrapping up these uh these um episodes with two questions and these are humdingers. So buckle up. Um Humdinger. Where does that come from? I have to look that uh, up. It's German. Uh <laughs> Johann Humdinger was a very famous um landscape artist. What do you what do you call that? Is it is it called like an idiom where like it's like a saying we use that it like has a meaning like you know the hair uh, of the dog. Yes. I think they're called yes. like idioms. I, I always want to say um colloquialism but that's not right. Colloquialism oh, okay. I think is like a local I don't know. I was going to make that up but then <laughs> there's somebody listening that's like I didn't mean God, to throw you this guy's dumb. Why is he Go so ahead. dumb? Why do I listen to this podcast? We don't know a lot. Um but <laughs> we so. know people that do. Okay, so um two questions. They just won't text us back. I'll do I'll do <laughs> I'll do that's exactly right. I'll do the first. Um what is the one thing you want your kids to know? Whew, the one thing I want my kids to know I mean, first that they're loved. And and I really think, like, I want them to know that they're, like, loved and accepted and belong, like, no matter what. Mm. I think that, like, um, one of my favorite, like, quotes, it's worth looking up is, um, I forget the title of it, but Brene Brown talks about um, kind of her mantra for her home life and how no matter what happens out there, when your kids walk through that door, they belong and they are mm. loved for, for who they are, no matter what they do. Um, and so I think I just want them to feel that when they come home and they step foot in, into my wife and I's arms into into our circle, into our presence, that like, that you're, you belong, you belong mm. and you're accepted wholeheartedly for, for who you are. Mm. So yeah, it's beautiful. All right. Last question. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Wow, that is a humdinger. A humdinger. I'm going to look up humdinger. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, these are big ones. I mean, at my funeral, as an Enneagram 9, I'm like, please don't say anything that feels selfish where make people think that you're talking about yourself. And... If you need to take a nap, we can just call you back. Yeah, I might need to take a nap first, John, <laughs> we can edit and get out. back to you. <laughs> um. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. You know, I think I would want my children to say, I think that that dad loved others well. Mm. I think that dad, that he loved, you know, and, and I, you know, I hope that, I mean, that's sort of my foundational, you know, belief as a Christian to love others well. I mean, I hope mm. they, I hope they would know that, see that and, and be able to reflect upon how I mm-hmm. put other, maybe put others first and, mm. and loved others well. So. Mm. Man. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for this your time. This has been Guys, so thanks great. Thanks for having, having me. I'm not a I'm not a regular podcaster. This is only my second. Well, now podcast you're on. You've been this on our it. list. 
since day one of you know doing this podcast so we we known that this was going to be a conversation we wanted to have and it was so fun and i actually thank you y'all are too kind i have tons more questions so next time we all hang it's going to feel like an interview just 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 get ready bring your pillow because you might need that yeah i know oh my gosh yes yeah we, we'll do like uh it'll be a progressive uh podcast like a morning session a nap yeah. and then an afternoon session and then a nap so uh no thank you guys you guys are doing a, a fantastic thing thanks for the conversation and, and vulnerability man I, I, thanks for having me on i'm honored thank you Dead fish.